KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Monday, November 8th. 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. And did you guys happen to take advantage of that extra hour of sleep that we got over the weekend? I absolutely did. I had to wake up pretty early on Sunday morning anyway, but knowing that it was an hour later really was like such a relief. I will say in our household, the question is, did our kids, our three and a half year old twins, take advantage of Daylight saving time, they did not. This was something that pre-kids, my wife and I, did not factor into our mindset. It's a thing, but I think we got back on track on Monday, thankfully, but it was a long first day of daylight saving time for sure. I will say I really appreciate the sun actually being up when I wake up in the morning before work, but on the other hand, when it gets dark before I leave work, that does start to get just like mind-boggling and confusing and kind of bums me out in the evenings. And the other thing too, Sabrina and Jay, what I plan to do with my life, activities being outdoors, that all changes now when we have daylight getting less and less and less. And this time of year, aside from just the trickiness of is it the afternoon, is it the evening, what time of day it is, this also can trigger seasonal affective disorder, which is a form of depression that's often tied to the fall and the winter. We'll talk about that later on with some of the pros and cons of daylight saving time. But first, let's get on to these headlines for this Monday, November 8th. The week starts with some good news in the world is gradually returning to normal department, especially down at the Philadelphia International Airport where it looks like international travelers are going to be starting to come back into the country finally. Yes, the counting can stop at 20 months, as in 20 months have gone by without international travel, essentially, since the pandemic hit from Philadelphia in the United States. Travel ban eased and lifted on over 30 countries. We're talking about most of Europe, Mexico, Canada as well. Greg Karen, he's the president and CEO of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau, Our great Tim Jimenez got the chance to catch up with him, and he spoke about the impact that having international travel will have on our great city. What we heard was the pent-up demand for people to come here from the U.K., which is our number one feeder market, and Germany and Italy and France. And it was really just incredible to see. The specifics, guys, is if you're 18 or older coming in from outside the United States and from Europe, you have to have proof of vaccination and also a negative COVID test within 72 hours of travel. Younger kids starting at three also need to have a COVID test that's negative within 72 hours of coming here. You know, I understand not wanting people to travel internationally, bring COVID around, but I always sort of had to think I feel like we are worse. The U.S. is doing worse in terms of COVID than a lot of those countries that we were blocking people from coming in. So I think this makes I think this makes sense. That is a good point that you made there, Sabrina, is that we're not exactly the shining example of how to handle COVID, but at least other nations have shown they can handle this a little bit better. So this is one of those we'll see where where we go on this sort of thing. And travel to Philadelphia, guys, before the pandemic, going back to 2019, I heard this in Tim's report, it was a billion-dollar industry for Philadelphia. doesn't need me to get my calculator out. That is a massive number. So any influx, as long as it's done responsibly and safely, of cash back into the city that we can repurpose to things that need it, 
all for it. So I think it's going to be great. City of Brotherly Love, Sisterly Affection, great to have more of the melting pot of the world back in Philadelphia. And also personally, you know, there are a lot of people who have family members overseas who have not been able to visit, haven't been able to see each other. My husband, his uncle actually passed during the pandemic, but they couldn't have a gathering or a funeral or anything because people, they have family in Canada, in Slovakia, and couldn't, had to all get together over Zoom. So I think for personal and economic reasons, this is a really good thing. The thing about like airports, travel, it's all a part of infrastructure. And late Friday night, Congress passed the Biden administration's infrastructure bill. And it looks like a good chunk of it is going to be coming to Pennsylvania as well as the state of New Jersey. Before we get into the details of this, are you guys just mercifully grateful that this bill was passed? We can stop seeing headlines about it on the scroll, whether it's in our Burley system or CNN or whatever, NBC 10, whatever we're watching. Like, thankfully, it's just over. <laughs> I'm grateful that something got accomplished. Yes. The Biden administration has been, there's just been so much infighting going on. Like, okay, I don't know, but this is supposed to be a bipartisan issue. It took so long. Thank God it's done. And, you know, people on both sides holding this and that up, and it seems like it's close, and then it's not. It's like, can we just get something done? And it managed to come shortly after, maybe 72 hours after an election that saw in Virginia didn't go well for Democrats, and in the state of New Jersey did not go very well for Democrats either. The timing on this seemingly was a little bit impeccable in terms of suddenly oh, yeah. they sobered themselves up a little bit and got this done. And But with all that said, it will have a positive net effect on places such as Pennsylvania and the state of New Jersey. Yeah, good chunk of change, guys, coming to the region. It looks like uh, around $16 billion for Pennsylvania. Talking about bridges, shipping ports, airports, climate-related stuff, internet infrastructure. So that's going to be a really solid amount of money going there. And then $12 billion for New Jersey's infrastructure. Mike Doherty, he caught up with George Norcross, who's a Democrat. He's a representative in New Jersey about what some of the trickle-down effects of the infrastructure bill could have on Jersey. Create a good job with good wages and benefits so that at the end of the lifetime, you can retire with dignity. I think that's incredibly important. There's legislation. With that goes compromise. There are priorities for New Jersey and Philadelphia region. We have a great working relationship with our colleagues on both sides of the river. Of course, even when things get done, guys, we can't not politicize them. I would like to think, though, that if there's even a remote piece of this bill that could do your constituency some good, regardless of what your party affiliation is, like, why don't we just spend some time playing that up? We need good news. Give me the good news. I want to hear what's in it for me, you know? Yeah, I would think we can all consider this some level of progress. Maybe it's not everything you wanted, but I think everyone wanted something. That's one thing I say I, I figure we can gather from all of this with, the, with, with this <laughs> battle over this infrastructure bill that has gone on way too long. We go from the national implications of the infrastructure bill to something a little bit more local as a group of local influencers and activists held a rally in Germantown on Saturday to help deter this scourge of gun violence here in the city. Yes. Yeah, so this rally was kind of around the idea that you can become a social media influencer. You can be positive and be an influencer in your community and not have to go down that negative path. The goal was to bring the community together to start talking about gun violence and how to prevent it. 
The organizer, Ant Brown, talked about his goals for the event. You can be positive and still be popular and have influence. You can still get on the radios. You can still be social media influencers. That's what I, I hope that they got from this event, just seeing the unity between a people. I think a great part is that they brought examples of people who have kind of been through the whole gun violence system and come out and done better. Um, for example, this guy, Bike Life Rex, that's what he goes by on Instagram. He went to prison and came out, decided to do better, bought a bike and became famous on Instagram for doing stunts on his bike rather than being known for gun violence and drug dealing and all of that. He spoke at this rally, and here's some of what he said. To have people look at me as, you know, an idol, looking at me as a motivational speaker and a bike rider, and you're proud of that, you feel me? And that was my goal. I think it's great for youth to see these examples and see how it is possible to acknowledge you've made mistakes, come out and and do better, and stop perpetuating this cycle. It's also how you hear the message and who you're hearing it from. I, I think little things like this, you hope that even if there's a message that gets through to one person or a couple people, um, that could help in some way, shape, or form. And I, I like, based on the sounds of this, how the messaging in this event was done. This is a case of meeting people where they are. Yeah, it's one thing to have the mayor or one of the state representatives or police commissioner come and talk to people. It's a whole different thing when it's somebody who's out there in the streets or all over the internet, all over social media. And who understands why these things happened in the first place. I think that's important too. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's that they get what's going on out there. It's really cool to see that sort of energy being brought back out into a lot of these neighborhoods. Now, we've got one more thing here. Today's November 8th. We're two and a half weeks away from Thanksgiving. So the holiday season is creeping up on us. And this year in the city of Philadelphia, not only is there going to be a Thanksgiving Day parade, there's going to be another quote-unquote holiday parade coming up not long after that. That's right, on December 4th. So really not very long, maybe a week after Thanksgiving, somewhere around there. There will be a parade along East Market Street. It's going to go from 2nd Street to City Hall. But this is going to be to celebrate kind of all of the winter holidays, multicultural, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Chinese New Year, and Christmas. So I think that's a good thing to get all the holidays in there. It is a lot of parades to be having, particularly when, you know, there is still a very contagious disease out there. And I I have mixed feelings about gathering in large crowds outdoors, but we shall see how it goes. You mean to tell me COVID won't take a day off just for people to go out and celebrate? COVID doesn't take holidays, everyone. I know, I know it's a surprise. But, you know, Mayor Kenny says that it's time to get back to celebrating together. Here's his idea behind the parade. The parade on Market Street, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we need to bring some continued, like, retail traffic back and, and office traffic back. And I hope this becomes, uh, I have three, three more Christmases left. I'm hoping it becomes a continued uh, holiday experience uh, after I'm gone. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. I really think that Eastern Market District has been transformative, and the unfortunate part about the development there is that it, it was really reaching its peak right around the time that the pandemic hit, talking about 
the fashion district, the towers, the new LED light boards. I, I think it's pretty cool and something that feels way more Times Square New Yorkish to me than Philadelphia. That doesn't mean that it's bad for the city, but I think something on that side of City Hall to get more people engaged in that district uh, is pretty cool. I think we have to acknowledge the <laughs> we have to acknowledge the mummers and the status of that. And our man John McDevitt, who covered this event, caught up with Mayor Kenny, and uh, Mayor Kenny had perhaps a not so thinly veiled message for the mummers and their organizers. It's on, as far as I know. I mean, um, the mummers will be on, um, kind of taking the permit out themselves. It's it's going to be more of a private parade, not private parade, but more of a parade run by the the actual people that are in it, as the other uh, the, as the other parades in the city are. Uh, and I just well, the only thing I would ask them to do is take into consideration uh, other people's feelings and other people's issues relative to how they perform. For the vast majority of the Mummers Parade, and I was in it for 35 years, uh, are, 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 are terrific, talented people who perform for New Year's Day. There's always a handful of knuckleheads that decide they want to make some kind of crazy statement. I would ask them not to do that. It's not in the best interest of the future of the parade. We can see him wobbling on the tightrope, right? We can see the tightrope wobbling. Yeah, he sounds like he's having a hard time figuring out how to describe the mummers and what language to use himself. I'll, I'll say it. You mean the at times racist things that are known to happen at the mummers parade? The, the caricatures that are often done of people of color, particularly black and brown people at this parade? We just had an issue with that parade a couple of years ago. I understand why he had to do it because he's a politician and he's the mayor of the city. You don't want to be seen as alienating anybody. But the Mummers have unfortunately gained a worldwide reputation. Like, I've heard about the Mummers in places that are far out from Philadelphia, and they ain't good. And coming off of this pandemic and the numerous things that have circulated around this pandemic, that is a recipe for a lot of problems and bad optics for the city of Philadelphia on New Year's Day if the mummers show up the way that they've occasionally been known to show up here in the city. Mayor Kenny also sounded like he was very intentionally distancing himself and the city from the mummers, making it clear that this is their parade. They have a permit and they are doing their own thing. We are not condoning whatever happens, but also, you know, maybe just don't do insulting things that they have sometimes done in the past. Because the shame of it is, it can be a great community event. I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there listening who, like me, hopefully they've been lucky enough to attend some stoop parties in South Philadelphia, just all gather around on New Year's Day. And, you know, families who live in some of these walk-up brownstones are, uh, it's almost like a, a mini tailgate where, you know, they, they cook some meals. It's a real neighborhood type event. When done right. To take a word from Mayor Kenny, don't be a knucklehead when it comes time for the Mummers Parade to start 2022. We have plenty more on not just this story, but everything else you hear on KWW News Radio by simply going to our website, kwnewsradio.com. You're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and hopefully you remembered to turn those clocks back this weekend. Now, you might have gotten an extra hour of sleep, but that also means it's getting darker earlier. Nothing is more confusing than being an afternoon news anchor, and the sun starts to go down at 4.15 p.m. And the loss of sunlight can have some pretty serious effects, not just on your timing, but on your mental health. And we're joined today by KWW News Radio's Justin Udo, who wants to talk to us about just that. Justin, how's it going? 
Jay, it's going well for me. I'm happy that the uh, that the change in the daylight hours um, are not really, it's not really affecting me too bad right now, but I know for a lot of people it is, and I'm happy to talk to you about that today. Now, we hear the phrase seasonal affective disorder tossed around a lot, especially when people can feel a bit down during like this time of the fall, November, heading into Thanksgiving, plus you get into the winter too. That's actually a form of clinical depression. And Justin, tell us a little bit about what makes a true diagnosable case of seasonal affective disorder? Like, what are the signs that someone could be seriously struggling with this problem? Well, there are a number of signs, Jay. I know in, in years past, before um, mental health has, before it's come to our forefront, a lot of people might have just thought, you know, this kind of happens to me this time of year. I'm, it's not the summer anymore. I'm changing, and that's what it is. But no, it, it is um, It is diagnosed um it is a thing and it is a big thing and uh it is a big part of it being a chemical imbalance and that's because of the shorter daylight hours that sunlight intensity that we need our bodies love that vitamin d we're not getting it as much so when we turn those clocks back and the sun comes up a a, a little earlier it's also going down a lot earlier too so we're left with those driving times coming out of work um in the dark doing a lot of things that we usually have you know a, a little bit of sun whether it was for 40 minutes an hour an hour and a half outside we're no longer getting that. So when we get that, um, it affects our brains. And there's some, as you were saying, some symptoms. And and it's not just one all the time, but a, a combination of, of a few of these can be what people really need to look out for. Some of those are, one, feeling depressed, feeling sad, um, to a change of appetite. Fatigue, they say, is really common. And, um, this, and they say that fatigue comes despite having an adequate amount of sleep each night. So you might be getting your six to eight hours of sleep, however um, we're, we're recommended, and still wake up and feel groggy, feel off. And, and they say people still, they tend to oversleep and still feel sleepy too. So you might be getting more than your allotted amount um, that you're supposed to have and still just filling off. And we're told if, if you do have one or more of those symptoms for any uh, elongated period, you should contact your doctor. Now, what is it about the fall and winter that kind of triggers this? Because I know people go through depression year round, but what is it in particular like this time of year that really can do a number on people? It's really um, that loss of sunlight. It, it really is because it is so important to us in, in our bodies, our minds. We're used to getting it. And, you know, a, a big thing that goes on, not just with that loss of sunlight, is I'm told, you know, we have a lot of those physical activities outside. People are in the summer. People are outside running around. You're taking your dog more often to the dog park. You're hanging out with family and friends. You're getting that sun. And in these colder months with this less sunlight, we're not doing that. We find ourselves kind of curled up under the covers, watching Netflix, eating soup and not doing those things. So we're not exercising like we do. Um, we're used to, we're not going outside like we're used to and we're kind of closed off. So it's a combination of all of these things that are really kind of depriving us of what it is that we need and kind of uh, really taking our bodies to literally a dark place. And Jay, I was also talking to Dr. Uh, Sasamulo Shayanka. He's the chief medical officer of Philadelphia's Department of Behavioral Health and Disability Services. I echo what he says when it comes to um, just those uh, chemical imbalances and things that people um, experience because of that lack of, lack of sunlight and lack of uh, being outside. It is a common manifestation of depression, which occurs in the fall and winter seasons, it tends to cause a shift in circadian rhythm or the internal biological clock that then sort of puts a person out of step internally with their usual body rhythms. Last winter wasn't just your typical winter. It was a pandemic winter and people weren't able to travel. And a lot of us 
felt that. Like, we felt that issue. We felt that something was missing, and it may have added to it. And I'm guessing that the pandemic has probably done a lot to increase seasonal affective disorder. Yes, it, it's been well documented that throughout the pa- pandemic, a lot of uh, people have had depression has been more prevalent with when it comes to loss of jobs, when it comes to a number of different things that we have gone through. So if you think of it like this, where you already have a lot of weight on your shoulders and you can barely lift it up and someone's throwing more weight on there, that's really what it is right now for a lot of people. It's just that really one thing on top of the other. It's like people kind of laugh at the acronym is SAD, S-A-D, but this is still something that's really serious. Now, if you think someone you may know is dealing with this, what can you do about it? Well, when I was talking to uh, Dr. Um, Shayanka, he tells me uh, there's a number of things. First, as always, he says, contact your medical professional. You know, you want to you want to get it diagnosed. You want to know exactly what is going on. But secondly, um, there's therapy. There's the traditional therapy that uh, that a lot of people um, go to where you can see your therapist. And there's also, I don't know if you've heard of this, Jay, it's light therapy. The light therapy basically involves sitting in front of a light therapy box that emits a really bright light and filters out harmful your ultraviolet rays. He said you'll sit in front of it for about 20 minutes when you wake up or you might sit in front of it at night. And that kind of help cleanses you. And the third thing being... Um, if things really are are very drastic, there are medical prescriptions you can have, antidepressants to to help with this. And he says a lot of times, a lot of doctors will um, recommend not just one, but at least two of these different things to kind of go hand in hand to help take people out of this. Now, in the midst of this story, you also talked about that there is an increase in car accidents when we yes. when we drop these clocks back an hour. What are experts saying about that? Well, and, and it goes right back to that lack of sunlight, um, because, you know, the good thing is when we're on our way to work in the morning, even if we're a little sleep deprived, we have that sun blaring into the uh, into the windows. But when we're coming home at night, you as you were just saying a little while ago that, you know, being an afternoon anchor, it's kind of weird to seeing the sun come, go down. So whenever you're on that drive home for a lot of people, it's going to be dark and that darkness, you know. People's eyes aren't adjusted. Some of us are uh, of a certain age and and need to get those (laughs) eyes checked. So we're not going to be the best on the road. So when when we're on there, um, I'm told by AAA's uh, Janet Tidwell, who I talked to, that you need to pay more attention because it is darker. It's not your it's not the evening commute you're used to. You're tired from that long day. You want to get you're rushing to get home. So um, tensions might flare. There's a lot of things going on. And Jay, to add on top of that, um, Pennsylvania. Last time I checked, it leads the nation with um, roadway deer fatalities. And so this is deer mating season. Those deer are friskier at night, too. They're crossing across the highways. They're doing different things. And those are causing a lot of crashes. So if you're tired, you're not paying attention, you're driving in the dark, and you have the you have these frisky fellas jumping in front of you, it's, it's just going to add another mix to the equation. So there are a lot of just different things for us to pay attention to when we're driving this time of year. This also brings us to another question. The state of Arizona does not observe daylight savings time. Should we just get rid of this altogether? Legislators here in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and in Delaware and other states have proposed bills to just stop it altogether. There's just an honest question. Why do we still do this? Why is this still a thing where we fall back in the fall and spring forward in the winter? Well, at the end of the winter into the spring. I know the roots of it. Uh, Sabrina can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think it, it stems from the farmers and um, 
making sure that they had the the light for their crops and different things. But I think in the technological age that we're in now, um, it might not be of too much use. Sabrina, am I right on on where it stems from and how it is? Well, so actually, I was just reading from WWJ News Radio 950, which is in Detroit. They had a piece saying that daylight saving time in the U.S. actually started during World War One to save energy for war production. By taking advantage of the later hours of daylight, you don't need to use uh, to turn your lights on as much. That, to me, seems like kind of the strongest argument for it right now is like saving electricity more than farming. You know, the, the majority of the population isn't worrying about farmers. Actually, farmers at one point, a lot of farmers weren't even on board or fans of doing daylight saving time because they just sort of live by the sunlight anyway. They don't care what the time on the clock says. Um, so it might be more about energy saving, but at the same time, I don't know, it does seem a little bit of just kind of an odd thing to still be doing to me. The daylight hours change anyway. You know, like we said, we set the clocks back so that we get more sun in the morning, but then it the sun sets earlier in the evening. So we're going to have to adjust. Why do we need to deal with the clocks also? It lends to a lot of confusion for people. Even more so when we get to like the spring and we move up an hour and it throws everybody off. And I, I, I mention this usually at least when we do this two times a year. My dad is known to mess with my mother by instead of waiting till 2 a.m., he does it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. And he would normally wait till my mother would leave to go to grocery shopping or go to the shopping mall. So then she walks back into the house and the clock is one hour forward or backward, and it completely will confuse her to no end. So it also lends to people being practical jokers and wanting to try to throw the clock back or throw it forward one hour as well. I think, honestly, I think the only people that truly, truly, truly um, love when daylight saving comes to an end or when we do do it all together are college kids who get an extra hour of partying on Saturday night when it goes into Sunday. And I'm a many year removed from that uh, phase of my life. So honestly, I'm an early early riser as it is. That daylight savings night became a thing at nightclubs where they intentionally would make sure it's like, all right, it's one o'clock. We drop it back another hour and you get an extra hour of doing whatever. We don't do that sort of thing anymore because I just ain't got that in me anymore to do it. But I, uh, I they were doing this at noon. <laughs> now, 12 noon. Yes. Justin, as much as we've enjoyed talking about this, what else are you working on out here for us? Well, actually, um, something that really does coincide with this is um, I'm working on today before I even got on this call. It's uh, it's a program from PennDOT. They teamed up with the state police and other school districts around the state. And, and what they're really doing is they're working on bus violations and it's Operation Safe Stop. And with Operation Safe Stop, October 20th, they looked at over 100 uh, different uh, law enforcement agencies and dozens of uh, school districts around the state um, and really targeted on people violating these um, these bus driver stops whenever they had the, the stop sign came out and they're trying to let kids get on and off. And they're talking about people practicing these dangerous procedures, especially now whenever um, things are a little a little weirder in the mornings and in the afternoons. So they're um, talking about um, the increase we saw. We've seen over in that one day um, span compared to last year, there were over 100 more. Um, so I'm working on that now, putting that together, just really good information and really good stuff for people to keep in mind. Because if you do violate those stops, Jay, they talk from everything from losing your license for a few months to hundreds of dollars worth of fines to getting five more points on your uh, 
your driver's license, and that five points can add up to a lot of money on your insurance. So no, you don't want to you don't want to mess around driving around stop buses. It's dangerous. Yeah. It puts kids' lives in danger. It puts parents' lives in danger. You don't want to you don't want to do that. That's a great story to follow, Justin. How can people check that out and everything else you're working on here? They can look at me on or look at what I'm working on on uh, kywnewsradio.com, or they can see me on Twitter where it is um, at Justin Udo. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-U-D-O, underdog omega. And also look out for the Udo haikus as well because th- this guy, he does great photography, and he's, a, and he's an awesome reporter here at KYW News Radio. Justin Udo, thank you so much for joining us once again here thank on you. The Rundown which is a production of the KYW News Radio original podcast. This show is produced by Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. It's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. You can hear me every afternoon or evening or whatever it is on KYW News Radio's Philadelphia Afternoon News starting at 3 o'clock. Be sure to follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown, P-H-L. Again, that's The Rundown, P-H-L, all one word. And you can listen to us for free, of course, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you so much for checking out this Monday edition of The Rundown.